When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Gotham City is out of control. An entire city screaming in fear. Super villains walk the streets, preying on the innocent. They will learn the true nature of harm. The police are powerless. A creature prowls this urban wasteland. Is that? He moves in darkness. For some, he is a rumor. A name whispered in the corridors of the underworld. Waiting for the chance to strike. Let every criminal know the acid taste of fear. You crazy! Gotham has forgotten what justice means. The Dark Knight is here to remind them. Batman. Good guys wear black. Welcome, everybody, to episode 247 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter account. That's right. It's Liam. Liam. We are continuing here in the month of February, doing our Batman the Animated Series reviews, and we have one this week that, uh, as I admitted last week, is not one that I remember very well. Well, maybe we can talk about that in a moment as to just why, but uh, we are reviewing a follow-up episode to one of our seminal episodes, maybe one of the most legendary episodes in the entire Batman the Animated Series run, uh, with the episode that we're covering today. That is right. It's the return of uh, quite a few familiar characters, uh, including, of course, Raish Al Ghul, and uh, that is, of course, the episode not not James Cameron's Avatar. <laughs> That's right. As you mentioned, return of several exciting, recurring, legendary Batman characters here this week. Uh, but before we, of course, get into our breakdown of our four categories, we will, of course, get the official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode, which, of course, is brought to you by The Pod Tower. Head over to youtube.com slash The Pod Tower today. Subscribe to our channel there and like our videos not only do you get our entire catalog you can check out the aforementioned uh, episode featuring Rachel Ghoul that's right confirmed to be Rachel Ghoul not Razel Ghoul uh by uh by the person who directed this episode himself that's right uh head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower and subscribe today that's right so this is the synopsis for Avatar which was written by Michael Reeves, directed by a friend of the show, Kevin Altieri, uh, music by Michael McChristian and Carlos Rodriguez, and animation by Studio Junio. And that synopsis reads as such. 
Batman travels to Egypt and joins with Talia to hunt down Ra's al Ghul, who is searching for an ancient source of ultimate power. You know, I might give that I might give that an A. Also, we gave an A yeah. to last week's description. I whoever wrote the the last two really really did their homework, really put yeah. in extra effort. I was gonna say, you know why this one's great. Is because it's exactly what the guy, the awesome epic announcer guy, would say in those old Fox Kids promos. <laughs> Monday on Batman, he travels to Egypt and joint to hunt down Rachel Ghoul, who is searching for an ancient source of ultimate power. And then the Danny Elfman theme plays. There you go. Absolutely. Can Batman find his way out? Tune right. in. Right, and then they'd show the footage of them being in the in the glass case. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So that's a good one. Uh, and it does pretty accurately uh, encapsulate our episode as mentioned returning faces and uh, some interesting thing. But we rather than I think the previous uh, the previous race episodes seemed uh, pretty centered in uh, the Middle East and Asia. Here we are. Uh, we are we are in Africa for this one. This is a very Egyptian themed uh, romp uh, tra- traveling adventure for Bruce and Batman. Uh, that is right. And speaking of Egypt, that is where we pick things up. We start out in, uh, in the year 1898. So not 50 years from now, whenever now is, but maybe 50 years from the past, whenever the past is. <laughs> uh, we have or 100 years in the past, hundreds of years in the past. Uh, we have uh, we have a scene that is completely, uh, completely silent uh, other than just the soundtrack. Uh, accompanying the mu- the 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 visuals that we get there, so no dialogue, no sound effects, uh, but we do see a uh, a young explorer with a uh, with his young companion as they are headed out exploring into this uh, this rather large pit in the ground. Uh, perhaps maybe your first thought is to think that it's an exploration of a, of a Lazarus pit, but no, it is in fact uh, an Egyptian tomb. It looks like so. Uh, the explorer arrives and is lowered down into this pit and uh, he begins exploring with his lantern and, you know, finds many t- uh, prototypical Egyptian artifacts. We get the we get the dog head statue and a lot of dog statues down there, some cat statues, you know, the stuff that you find if you were in a in a in an Egyptian tomb, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, as he's sort of exploring and looking around, he's super excited to see this one dog statue. And uh, as he's standing there, he sort of pans to the right. And there's this doorway that begins glowing this very bright neon green color. And uh, we then cut back to the surface above this pit where we see the rope is beginning to get pulled down into the uh, into the pit. So the those that had accompanied this explorer are beginning to freak out. So they begin trying to pull him back up, only to come up with a uh, with a rope that has been burned off at the end. And uh, that is where we cut back to the present day. Where wouldn't you know it? Uh, in present day Gotham City, Lucius Fox and Bruce are uh, are sort of perusing and and gloating over this uh, Egyptian artifact uh the a bunch of Egyptian artifacts that have been set up for this uh for this museum display and uh one of the artifacts is uh it, it happens to be mentioned of course we get some great exposition by Lucius himself telling us that it's the oldest Egyptian document known to man or at least half of it without a doubt this will be one of the 
best museum exhibitions Gotham City has ever seen. You can be quite the humanitarian on occasion, Bruce. It's commendable. It's inspiring. It's deductible. The Scroll of Osiris. Pity only half of it exists. It's the oldest Egyptian document known to man. Yeah. Oops, I gotta go meet Tammy at Chardet's. Hmm, such a pity. And then uh, we we cut later on in that same evening as we have a masked thief that breaks into that same room where these artifacts are being held. And what is she doing? He heads right to this uh, this ancient map or the half of the ancient map and smashes it. Uh, but meeting him right there in the doorway, of course, is the Dark Knight who uh, arrives on the scene just as the, at the right time to not only detain said masked individual, but unmask him. And he is uh, he's quite surprised to see that the man beneath the mask is none other than Ubu, Raish al Ghul's heavy. And uh, just as he he is sort of processing the fact that Ubu is there and trying to put the pieces together with his head. He turns around to hear not only or none other than Rachel Ghoul himself. And uh, Raish, uh, after a little bit of dialogue, what's he going to do? Is he going to fight Batman and with fisticuffs? Of course he's not. He's going to hurl an Egyptian cobra at him, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you do in these moments, right? You, you throw a snake at somebody. This is a this is a this is the first time and maybe an only time uh that that we see a snake. You know, Superman fights a snake in the main man mm-hmm. uh episode. I think maybe there's a new Batman Adventures episode, uh the circus one okay. where there's a snake involved in that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've ever just seen someone pull a snake out of their pocket and hurl it at someone in one of these shows before. Is that a snake in your pocket, Raish, or are you just trying to kill (laughs) Batman? (laughs) You could have been my successor, detective. Instead, you will suffer the fate of all mortal flesh. Turns Bless out he it. is he is trying to kill Batman, and uh, it, unfortunately for Batman, the snake bites him right in the arm, pumping him with venom, and Batman begins to slowly fade. Luckily for Batman, though, he happens to have the snake anti venom with him right on his uh, right on his belt, and is able to administer it before passing out and awaking back in the Batcave, and that's where. Uh, that's where Batman begins to sort of piece things together and sort of disclose to Alfred his concern that not only is Raish back, but uh, he's up to something. Snake venom? From an Egyptian cobra. Extremely deadly. You're certain it was Raish al Ghul? None other. But I thought he died in the pit months ago. So did I. That piece of papyrus is obviously very important to him. I have to find out why. Where are you off to now? Uh, Just in case the stockholders ask. Gibraltar. 
There's someone I've been meaning to look up. That's right. So after a brief discussion with uh, Alfred and a very classic Batman deduction here, he deduces that the cobra and the, spe- the specific type of cobra is native to Egypt. And so uh, he knows he's, he's going to be hot on the trail there and specifically to Gibraltar. And he's uh, he's off on the road. And we'll, we'll talk about this in visual. But this but this so begins a series of just incredible Bruce Wayne fits in this episode. <laughs> incredible uh, series of outfits that Bruce is wearing for the rest of this episode. But uh, so he's yeah, he's on the hunt and he it leads him to this sort of uh, this this estate, this castle uh, somewhere in the, in in Gibraltar, and uh, as he's approaching there, there are some guards out front who are seemingly just keeping watch. As uh, Bruce turns, and they bring into action and attempt to uh, to rob him. He's uh, he's able to disarm them, and uh, before he has a chance to really throw down with them, he gets a little bit of help by none other than Talia, who uh, who has returned here and. That's our that's our big act one act break there. And as as we return, we uh, we learn that Talia is not aware, was not aware that her father was still alive after the events of uh, of the demon's quest parts, uh, parts one and two. And that uh, that she feels that perhaps uh, though she is still very loyal to him, that perhaps he doesn't uh, doesn't feel the same about her. There's sort of this moment of, of real sorrow for for her. But uh Bruce, uh, as she and Bruce sort of begin to talk about the this this scroll that uh, that Raish and Ubu stole, uh, Talia just just packed with exposition here to let us know that it's apparently due to this uh, this former Egyptian queen that Raish has been obsessed with finding. He took quite a risk stealing that scroll from me. Why does he want it so badly? It's part of a map. My father has the other half. As long as I can remember, he's been obsessed with finding... Finding what? The tomb of the ancient queen Thoth Kapera. It lies somewhere in the canyon of tombs. Many who've sought it have vanished. And why does Raish seek it? I don't know. You must believe me. I have to go after him, Talia. Will you help me? You are so like him, making me choose between the two of you. Oh, beloved, why has he forsaken me? Does he think I've betrayed him? I can't pretend to know what Raish thinks, Talia. The only thing he and I have ever agreed upon is our feelings towards you. My father used to have a hidden sanctuary in Cairo. Perhaps he still uses it. It's worth a try. And that she had allegedly, this queen had a... had uh, discovered another secret, another way to have immortality, which of course Raish is obsessed with. And I guess since they destroy the Lazarus, well, no, they don't destroy because Raish falls into it. Uh, I don't. I guess. I guess he says in that episode that the Lazarus pit won't last forever. Mm-hmm. So he's he's trying to find another way to uh, to stay alive here. So, but he's he's Raish has apparently been obsessed with this uh, Egyptian queen and. Uh, and uh, now he has this other half of this map that he's, uh, or the scroll that he's looking for that will lead him to this this tomb. And so Talia and Bruce decide to team up to try to track him, track him down, and, and figure out exactly what he's after. And uh, uh, we move on to Bruce Wayne, uh, <laughs> uh, gallivanting archaeologist fit number two. 
uh, <laughs> as, as he and Tally are exploring some kind of a small village outside of uh, not too far from where it is. And he uh, he they uh, they enter into a little shop where a uh, where a, uh, a shop owner is trying to sell them supposedly ancient uh, Egyptian statues, which and they have a very funny sight gag where Bruce looks down and sees that there's a crate full of them with a giant made in China logo on the sign of them. Which is a I good, loved it. It's a good visual. Yeah. Yep. It's a very funny little very bit. Funny. And, uh, but uh, Talia is sure that this shop is supposedly the location where, uh, where Raish has a secret lair where he was sort of uh, gathering intel. And so uh, we, <laughs> we, we bring out this, uh, as far as I can remember, the first and only time used, this sonic device that allows, <laughs> that allows Bruce to find a hidden door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, and uh, uh, so he, tur- he turns son- it on. What does he call it? He has like a name for it. What does he call it? He does have a specific name for I it. I wrote it down in my of... notes here. Ultrasound imager. Yeah, he doesn't. He should have just brought those red goggles. Oh well, that would have the been too conspicuous. He needs. He needs. He needs a a modern cell phone sized device to have in his pocket to to pull out just in case he needs to find a secret door. I mean, what else? What else would you carry in your pocket? A snake, naturally. <laughs> Well, uh, well. Uh, but but yes, <laughs> but uh, but yes, the, the this magic device does in fact lo- lo- lead them to a conspicuous sarcophagus. That's a lot of syllables. That's good. And uh, and inside is a uh, is in fact the secret door to this lair where we uh, we finally get the 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 father and daughter re- reunion uh, that Talia I guess had been hoping for, but it's not exactly what she wishes for. Is Raish is very cold to her and, and makes it very clear that when uh, when Taya him to spare uh, Bruce's life in their previous meetings, that that's basically the same as uh, <laughs> as as her taking a taking a stand against him or, or fighting against him herself. And so he no longer has a use for her and he no longer wants to uh, see her as uh, as his daughter. And 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 so he he's off. He has the second half of the scroll very indiana jones style move here he uh he drops them or even almost like a james bond type thing i guess a uh, a glass tube drops from the ceiling and traps bruce and talia and uh and it looks like they uh they are trapped as Raish and ubu go off to find this uh this uh the secret tomb now now that he has both halves of the scroll that's right. Now we must mention before Raish uh, has this dialogue with Talia, uh, and uh, and after they've entered this uh, through this secret door, they do see that there is a translation that Raish has made of the of the map itself. He's gone through. He's translated the hieroglyphics, I guess, into uh, into something that is understandable by Bruce because that comes up. Uh, right immediately after this but uh, mm-hmm. we learn that the the scroll contains the secret location as you mentioned of this tomb um, and it's uh, it's an it's an ancient ruler named Thoth Kafera or something like that Kapera Kapera Thoth Thoth try saying that one five times fast <laughs> I'm lisping over here uh, no and and as you said, Raish declares her to have the, the power to grant life and death. But he does it all like Rachel Ghoul, like, you know, very dramatic. Did you really think I would be foolish enough not to have this sanctum under observation? <laughs> 
alive. Yes, Talia, I am alive. No thanks, I regret to say, are due you for my current state of health. No, Father, you can't believe that. I only tried to save the man I love. You've got a serious priority problem, Raish. What can be in that tomb that's more valuable than the love of your daughter? Power, detective. The power once held by almighty Thoth Capera, queen of two continents. You surprise me, Raish. The world's oldest chauvinist chasing after a woman. Thoth Capera was not simply a woman, detective. Nor merely a ruler. Through her flowed the power of the gods. With no more than a gesture, she controlled the force of life and death. And with it, she kept a nation under her thumb for 1,000 years. You sound like a bad Saturday afternoon cereal, Raish. This is sheer nonsense. No, detective. I know there is a power there to be tapped. My 600 years of life are proof of that power. Farewell, detective. Farewell, Talia. It is said that one finds immortality in one's offspring. Alas, I know that to be a lie. So after they're tra- trapped in the cage and and uh, and and Raish and, and Ubu uh, uh, abscond with the the map. Uh, we cut back to to Talia and Bruce stuck in the glass, and Talia uh, talking about how the the air is is waning, and that they don't have much time left. And Bruce, of course, not willing to give up. He wouldn't you know? He pulls out Chekhov's uh, ultrasound <laughs> imager, and uh, and is able to secure it to the glass and reverse the polarity or something. I guess I don't know. And uh, this causes, not before, of course, ripping out the pockets of his pants and jamming them into his and Talia's ears. Mm-hmm. Not, and that's not a euphemism for anything. He literally rips his pockets <laughs> out and shoves shoves the pieces into his and Talia's ears and then uh, turns on the, the ultrasound imager in reverse or whatever, which causes the glass to break uh, because it creates such a high-pitched high noise, I guess, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, sure. Of course, um, don't you know anything about science? Yeah, I, I, I clearly don't. I'm not a, I'm no scientist, a science man. Get out of I here. I would question how they shattered that much glass and not a single piece of it touched them. But I think the answer is this is a, this is a children's <laughs> show, and I should shut up. It broke out in every direction, but the glass piece above them also broke out. With such force, yeah, I I don't know, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, as they uh, as they have have now broken free, uh, Bruce believes he knows exactly what Raish's plans are simply from the brief look that he got at the translation of the hieroglyphics, and uh, he takes out he's uh, what didn't you know his final fit for the for the episode is of course the classic bat suit uh so he he pulls out his uh his bat suit out of his his uh his backpack and he and talia are off to to locate where they believe race or at least intercept where they believe race is headed uh so they they enter enter and uh, it is i believe the same exact entry point that we saw at the very beginning in the opening scene this uh this this it's a hole in the ground it's a <laughs> It's a it's a cavern in the in the land. Uh, so they they arrive there and they are shocked that uh, that they may have beaten Raish there. Uh, as they enter the pit, 
uh, we get two pairs of legs appearing. And then, of course, those belong to Raish and Ubu, who have been sitting there waiting for Batman and Talia to enter the tomb themselves. Uh, so uh, and th- that kind of sets up our our third and final act is uh, we get a little bit more of, of the exploration of what's going on. Ubu and uh, and Raish have brought two heavies with them, uh, one of whom definitely resembles director of the episode, Kevin Altieri. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> drawn, drawn himself into the show. Got to love that. Um, and uh, there's a there's a there's a brief scuffle between uh, the the heavies the the henchmen and batman and talia um as as uh as race insists that he's uh he's gonna find the the secrets here but as he takes off the the cover to the coffin and reveals these documents that he believes that are going to give him and these ancient scrolls that are going to give him the power of life and death uh they they disintegrate into a bajillion pieces of dust uh so that it looks like at this point that race has foiled at this point and that the secrets will remain uh with this ancient being but uh race just happens upon a secret passageway speaking mm-hmm. of indiana jones where he pushes a pushes a statue's head down and the there's a even deeper pit below this uh this sarcophagus that had these scrolls that disintegrated and Raish, of course what are you gonna do you're gonna you gotta go further down and explore what else are you gonna do and as he enters, Liam, the ominous hundreds of skeletons do nothing to determine Raish. He is <laughs> headed towards the glowing green pit, which may or may not be a, a Lazarus pit, not sure, but certainly seems to uh, resemble one. And a being appears and begins talking to Raish, and well, I don't think this is going to go well for old Raish. I am Father Capera. Those who have joined me share their knowledge with me. We are legion. I am called Raish al Ghul. I have searched for you for over 500 years. Tell me your secrets. Grant me the powers of the gods that legend says you possessed. That knowledge can be yours if you join us. Come forward, Raish al Ghul. Come and know the mysteries of life and death. <laughs> yes, well, uh, at first it seems to be uh, just everything he wanted, which is a uh... You know this beautiful uh, Egyptian uh, queen walks out of the uh, the green sludge, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 uh, declares that uh, that she and all of these bodies around them they have all joined together, and that uh, that is how they they are you know this incredible source of knowledge and immortality is because they uh, is because they uh, they all join together they are legion in fact uh, they mm-hmm. uh, she says uh, invoking of course the uh, as the DCAU wiki uh, let, let us know, that's a, that's a, a very famous uh, demon, and that 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 involves not just in biblical, in uh, in scripture, but also in uh, you know a lot of pop culture will use that uh, that character. So uh, it's it's uh, yeah. So there's a uh, as you said, if if the dead bodies didn't give you a 
give you a bad feeling about this, then uh, then perhaps that uh, that that admission would. But yes, uh, Raish is uh, none is uh, all too happy to uh, to to join with her, and uh, they seem to be sharing a kiss. But uh, as uh, as Bruce and Talia finally uh, take care of Ubu and the other henchmen, they run down to see that in fact it is not a beautiful lady, but a haggard old, nearly bald, zombie gray skinned zombie woman, who is uh, quite literally sapping the life force. Uh, out of rage, turning, uh, stealing uh, his youth and uh, and uh, and virality, and uh, and as 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 they as uh, as she begins to fade, and, uh, and Bruce and Talia try to get involved to stop her, she begins to make these like green sludge monsters <laughs> rise from the uh, hmm? rise from the uh, the ooze that she stepped out of, and uh, eventually she's like she's. She can also make it into like tendrils and tentacles. Uh, so Batman, uh, Batman, he just straight up lobs a grenade at her. <laughs> yeah, that's Batman's first move here is to throw a grenade, um, which does not work. The uh, the the queen seems completely unscathed by it. So as uh, as Talia gets raced to safety, uh, Batman decides the uh, the next best thing. If you can't uh, if you can't uh, kill this thing or or destroy it. Then the next best thing you can do is to uh, uh, to to rebury it to make sure that nobody else can ever uh, raise this tomb again. So uh, he is able to using just some Herculean leg strength. He's able to Batman and uh, he, he's able to climb up and sort of get between the wall and this giant statue. Uh, another dog dog statue. Is that I I should know this from all the times I've watched uh, Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments. Is the dog Bale or is that Ra? Mm, a quick Google search says it's Anubis. Anubis ah, is okay. the dog. Well, we'll say it's Anubis. But regardless, the 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 dog-headed Egyptian god statue, a giant statue. Batman's able to drop it on the uh, on the opening to to her tomb, right as those green sludge tendrils are coming out, and and uh, it crushes that entrance and then seemingly seals her up for good. But it also the entire tomb to become falling down again in a very Indiana Jones moment. Everybody starts running. Uh, you know, Talia and Raish apparently have already gotten to safety, but Ubu and the other henchmen are still there. And Batman runs. <laughs> Batman runs by them, and they're all just sort of standing there, yelling at him and getting ready for another fight. But then they see the tomb is crumbling, and they begin to make their way out as well. And a funny little incident happens here as uh, as Ubu sort of trips and falls and is seemingly not going to make it as the uh, the tomb crumbles around him. But Batman comes back and uh, and pulls him to safety at the last minute, which uh, sets up our final couple of minutes here. Race is uh, race just, just becomes turns back to normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had to, he had turned very old and withered because of his life force being drained, but. Uh, I guess if you don't get all of it, it just it just <laughs> comes back to you. Um, so he turns back to his his old self there, and uh, as we get this one final scene of everyone being led on on horseback, as uh, we see Raish and his his henchmen are tied to their horses, and uh, you know Talia and Raish sort of have a, a moment where they make up, and and Raish admits that even though he had sort of closed his heart to her, she did not do the same to him, and that he's. Uh, 
you know, he realizes that she, uh, you know, she really is deserving of his love and deserving of being his daughter. And that's, uh, that's all Talia needs uh, to uh, <laughs> once again, uh, to betray, to betray Batman. Uh, she pulls the gun on him and tells him that she, she can't allow Bruce to take her father and, and his henchmen in and, and turn them into the authorities. And uh, she leaves him. She takes his horse, seemingly stranding him, in the middle of nowhere and uh at, right as we end there uh you know we get one little final taunt from Raish. what will you do now take them back to the authorities your father has much to answer for i am truly sorry beloved but he is my father please dismount as Batman is seemingly being stranded uh, with no horse and no way to get back to, uh, to civilization uh, other than walking. Uh, we see that that kindness paid to Ubu return as he, uh, he throws him in a canteen of water. And, uh, and so Batman uh, marches, they, they walk their separate ways quite literally as the uh, is gallop in one direction and begins to the slow walk back to civilization uh, on the other side as he, he sort of vows that this is not the last time that he and he and Raish will come face to face. So that's that's where our episode wraps up for this week. It sure is. And if um, if I can just say. Batman is he lets Talia go like he mm-hmm. lets her go. There's no other explanation for this. She briefly has a gun like pointed at him. He could have backhanded the gun out of his face. No way that he couldn't have backhanded the gun. out of. Okay. Even if you say it's like, or at least tried. Yeah. Okay. Or, uh, when she takes him off of the horse at that point, she is the only person who is not secured to their horse. So he could have done something to spook the horse, to get it to rear and knock her off. Mm -hmm. He could have gone into his utility belt and grown a, batarang like there's 55 things he could have done but mm-hmm. instead he just chooses to let her go interesting choice pretty, pretty much not not for the first time he let her yeah. he let her go at the end of uh demon's quest as well um so yeah he's uh he's got a he's got a weakness here and again we can you can go back to our review of off balance when uh Kevin Altieri, I think, had some uh some pretty interesting theories as to why Talia is kind of a unique uh weakness if you if you want to use that word mm-hmm. for for batman and and why uh, and why this this sort of thing keeps happening when uh <laughs> when batman and talia are uh, are together her her kind of just getting the drop on him or or pulling the rug out from under him and him kind of maybe as you said not exerting all of his uh all of the abilities that he has uh 
uh, at his disposal and, and simply kind of drops his guard and lets her go, as you said. So um, I guess we can get to get get to our scores here. I really like the concept of this episode mm-hmm. because we don't get out of Gotham City very often. I think we said the same thing when we reviewed Demon's Quests. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that all of these race episodes so far, at least, have been like a a jaunt where uh, we go on like a, an overseas adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, but in execution, uh, I like the first part of the episode where Bruce is Bruce is sleuthing through Egypt with Talia, mm-hmm. but the last act I think is just it's just kind of lets it down because <laughs> uh, the villain at the end is a a weird maybe it's a, like you Lazarus Pit which is a pre-established thing in this show but otherwise she's just magic <laughs> yeah and obviously later on with Justice League and, and even Superman and stuff you know mysticism and magic becomes a big part of this universe but to this point in the show, even though like Zatanna's always already been in the show and Raish has already been on the show, and there's characters with superpowers like Man Bat or Clayface or whoever, it's all very much always been like they're all like science freaks. Right. You know, very like 19, 1940s, 19, you know, 1930s, 1940s uh supervillains. Mm-hmm. And and this just being like a zombie woman who can magically drain the life force out of someone and can make giant green sludge monsters. Just feels like such a left for this show. And again, it's maybe more acceptable if you accept it as part of this larger world. But for a, like a one-off Batman story, I just, I don't know, man. It just, it, this does not feel like it jives. Like that last act does not feel like it jives with the rest of the series at all. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I, I... I went with a with a seven out of ten for my score for plot. I do like the first two thirds of it. I agree with you. It feels it feels like this is almost like a trilogy. We had off balance that introduced our you know introduced Raish to the to the universe. We had Batman traversing the globe in that episode. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you had him and Talia off on their own and and doing things. Then you have Raish introduced at the end, and then of course you had. Uh, you had the demon's head um, or demon's quest rather uh, you know, that we have that itself is also traversing the globe. As you mentioned, we have all these different unique exotic locations and um, mm-hmm. felt very Lawrence of Arabia or what the other things we compared it to um, this again, s- sort of has that exploration archeological Indiana Jones and whatever pre- predecessor there may have been to Indiana Jones uh, in serials and like the, you know, probably in the forties and fifties, but yeah, it does feel, it feels almost like, and I, we probably should have picked his brain on this when we, we had the opportunity to, but it feels like it was almost inspired by some like, 50s monsters movies or something like that like there's yeah there's even a line that uh that that batman has i think when he first sees race in the museum and he's like you've been watching too many saturday morning serials or something right. like yeah it does feel like this might be a more specific homage to something that's just our generation would not necessarily pick up on right yeah which makes i mean which we know that the creators borrowed from a lot of stuff and were used a lot of inspirations and things that were near and dear to them. And Kevin had, has a very unique set of, 
of uh, inspirations at times. So perhaps mm-hmm. it was something like that. It does. I get what you're saying. Like for the series at the time, we didn't really have a whole lot of these supernatural elements that have been that have been introduced to yet. You have guys with guns and gangsters and um, and, you know, color, colorful rogues gallery, but not not this monster movie supernatural element that occurs in this. Um, I think I think Bruce's or Batman's response, at least of being completely weirded out uh he says you know as they're escaping the tomb and trying to get out um after Raish has this interaction he says you know i've you he tells talia to take Raish out and that he's going to do whatever he can to stop this this thing he says in sort of mm. a very dramatic tone so i feel like later on in the in the in the DCAU, the deeper we get into it, the less surprised Batman is with you know well, after after he's met aliens and and you know demigods and all these other things that he's interacted with, nothing is surprising to him. So I do at least enjoy the fact that here he is a little bit taken aback as to what he's dealing with, um, but. Yeah, there's some elements there. It's the day day glow green too. I think maybe if you, <laughs> it's just kind of it's kind of bizarre. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't hate it. You know, it's a little bit goofy at the end. It is a little more science fictiony or monster movie than um, than maybe the the rest of the stories that we've gotten, especially involving Raish. But I just chalked that up to again probably something that was an homage that maybe have gone has gone over our heads, but. Um, yeah, I think overall for what they were going for, I think they pulled it off. So I went with a with a decent seven out of ten. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just a couple points lower. I went five out of ten. Um, like I said, I do like it. And yeah, if you use the as we said the the sort of the Indiana Jones model, um, it that is kind of an element of that where he's he's kind of the skeptic and doesn't really believe in the the supernatural side of things, and then. Mm-hmm. By the end of the movie, there's a you know an immortal race of <laughs> Aztec warriors chasing him or something like, <laughs> and it's, you know it's it's very much that's that is much very much a trope of those uh, those movies and then things that were inspired by them like you know the, if you played like the the Tomb Raider or Uncharted games or anything mm-hmm. like that stuff that was inspired by that uh, that sort of globe trotting adventurer archaeologist uh, genre. I think that uh, that maybe this that does fit with it there. It's just, yeah, for some reason that being the finale, a, a zombie Egyptian queen with sludge powers was just. I was like, ah, I don't, I don't think this is it. This isn't really working for me. But uh, like I said, I do, I do think there's fun to be had, and it's it's just fun to get uh, fun to get out of Gotham once in a while and and see see him out of uh, quite literally out of his element in in a in a few ways. I guess no disagreement alarm, right? Like not, not Two enough. Points, to... I don't think so. Yeah. We, we got to at least have three and maybe, maybe the word I disagree <laughs> in order for the disagreement <laughs> alarm to kick in. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be visuals and animation. And as you mentioned at the top, uh, our animation this week was done by studio Junio or Junio, whichever uh, pronunciation you want to go with. Um, they, of course, uh, didn't do a ton, but uh, some some of the more memorable episodes, uh, they, of course, uh, were responsible for a bad, bad episode jar gets a gets a dollar placed on it this week with the mention of the underdwellers. 
And then, of course, uh, they also did Blind as a Bat uh, and uh, and Dreams in Darkness, Mudslide, and uh, most recently, the one we covered, A Bullet for Bullock. Um, let's talk about visuals. What stood out for you? Lots of things. Lots of enjoyable things here. I think we need to start off at the top. Let's not bury the lead. Bruce's outfits. Um, boy, man. He, yeah. Right out the gate, we get a brand new suit. It's a gray. He gets a dark gray suit, but he's got like a, a blue shirt with it. Uh, I thought it was get, like a pinkish, pinkish oh, you're shirt. Right. You're right. It was a pink shirt. Pink pink shirt, gray suit. Uh, very cool looking. Very cool mm-hmm. combination. Mm-hmm. Uh, setting him up uh, while he's talking with with Lucius. Uh, we then get uh, our next our next shot of him is uh, on on the plane. We I think we get him and he's wearing like this. Uh, I didn't write it down. His traversing outfit. I just wrote he has a traversing outfit. Was that where he has the tan suit on minus yes. the fedora? <laughs> yes, I believe so. He's just yes, but that's the. Uh... And then yeah, when he uh, when he first meets back up with Talia, um, it's almost like a Cuban, gets... like something you would see somebody mm-hmm. in Cuba. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. The only only yeah, only thing is like you you swap out like the brown shirt for a like a floral pattern or something. But mm-hmm. yes, very uh, very very summer suit, uh, a a mm-hmm. warm weather suit. Yeah, he's got this like tan suit with a tan tie, and a uh, and like a UPS brown uh, <laughs> shirt and a fedora with uh with brown stripe around it as well so just just tremendous looking outfit uh and uh as say it's it's fun because we get to see him uh do some do some combat in that outfit it's just awesome uh <laughs> and then uh from uh from there we also get uh speaking of his and the, there's a part where he and uh talia are in like a little two-seater plane mm-hmm. as they're they're flying to uh to try to intercept race at the uh at the, at the market and uh, and they're both in like these little like World War One uh, like Amelia Earhart that's like the brown leather jackets with the and the and the helmets with the big goggles on them mm-hmm. like, uh, like the the Snoopy outfit yeah uh, if you will but, uh, love that and then we get his like his actual like archaeologist's outfit which here's here's where the the blue the br- the baby blue shirt comes in with those those weird pants that everyone's wearing. <laughs> They're like, the, like I know they're, these are... they're Vandal Savage pants. They're like yeah, the same. Like... They're like big pockets pleated. I don't know what that's supposed to be. Yeah, I, I've like I, I yeah, I, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a real person wear these. So I'm not sure what exactly they're supposed to look like. If yeah, if they're supposed to have like very large pockets for carrying like a staff or a sword or something or, or some other supplies or something. Um, if they really do exist, please let us know. Tweet us uh, at DCAU Review or, uh, or or comment on our Instagram uh, and let us know what what we're missing here. But yeah, everybody's wearing these weird these weird pants. Bruce, no exception, with his uh, his brown archaeologist pants and his blue shirt, and uh, and then of course we get the Batman outfit. So uh, yeah, Bruce, but definitely oh, and and the uh, the archaeologist outfit. He has he has blue uh, the blue shirt, the the gray pants, and then like brown like knee-high boots <laughs> not quite knee-high like shin high but in my head in my heart they're knee-high uh boots just an incredible array of uh we, you know we we joked there's there's that episode is it the last laugh where where alfred opens the closet and there's just like 55 brown <laughs> suits with yellow shirts on the hangers yeah i believe but, so uh, it's 
it turns out that Bruce does have some uh, some other outfits in his repertoire, and we it was fun seeing him there. Just because, and and obviously you know why a cartoon character wears the same clothes all the time is because it's it's easier drawing these character constantly across eighty five episodes. If you had to change his clothes every time you drew him, it would be an extra an extra headache to have to work out. So the fact that he he goes through that many wardrobe changes in a single episode like that had to be intentional. Like I. I wonder if that was on like the the directing and storyboarding side of that of just hey let's get Bruce in some different outfits and keep him out of the Batman suit for most of the episode or if or if that was uh, written into the script by Mr. Reeves I'd I'd be curious maybe something that that's a random question we can uh, we can maybe throw to throw to Kevin the next time we uh, we get to chat with him but, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah that's uh, Bruce the Bruce Wayne fashion show is uh, is an immediate big thumb up for this episode agreed yeah that's uh that's probably the thing that i wanted to uh to talk about it's probably you know, like i said it's it's the lead we we're going to talk about that it's the top story is uh bruce's many costume changes throughout <laughs> the uh throughout the episode but uh some other things that i thought were uh worth noting um no bonus point for it this week, but I will off the top talk about the title card. Um, mm-hmm. I liked, I never noticed, had never noticed before. Today's years old. Um, b- before I noticed that the the hieroglyphics in the background included some Batman Easter eggs. We get it like a batarang Ooh. in there and uh, some Batman eyes. And then, of course, uh, the the main central focus of the characters are, are going to be our uh, our Egyptian goddess and and a uh, a, a uh, character that looks a little bit like Raish. So very interesting, I will say. Um, Something that kind of looks like his uh, his demon's head mask as well is in there. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of things in there. Little little things that you can you can look at and uh, enjoy. Um, I will say I, I sort of mentioned at the beginning. Uh, I don't think I'd studied this one too often. This was uh, famously on the uh, the Cow and Liam do not watch list because of the <laughs> uh, the spookiness of the, the the zombie creature at the end. So I think many times I watched like three quarters of it and what like couldn't watch the final act because it was a little spooky, scary. Um, so it, it, that's another reason why this one wasn't, uh, wasn't, wasn't on repeat too often in our household and, mm-hmm. uh, didn't remember the beats too, too well. So, um, but moving forward, uh, I loved the opening sequence, man. We talk about bold things that they did that this, this series did, and we'll talk about it again in a moment here when we talk about our music for the episode, but boy, what a uh, what a bold move here to to start out the episode with zero dialogue and zero sound effects for like the first two and a half to three minutes here as we get this uh, this opening sequence of of this uh, explorer who may or may not be Raish. I guess it's Raish. Hard to say. I don't I don't I don't know. He looks like Raish, right? He looks like a young, young Raish. But uh, yeah, I was I, I was waiting for that to come back around for it to be revealed that like he was obsessed with it because he had been to this tomb once before and had this mysterious experience or that it was like his brother or his father or something. Right. Cause there's like a young, there's like a young kid that's also introduced at the beginning. So maybe, you know, is this, well, I guess Rachel would already be like, would already be like 500 years old at that point. True. So he couldn't be the kid. But he could be, yeah, he could could have he could have been related to it somehow, or the kid could have like relayed the story to him or something. Like I was waiting right. for some sort of more direct connection to that opening sequence. Yeah, especially because again, the guy kind of looks like Raish. Like 
definitely looks like a younger version mm-hmm. of Raish. So very, very odd choice. But anyway, that the entire opening sequence, I loved loved how it was done. Um, you know, very dramatic, especially when the the rope starts getting pulled on, and uh, you know they they're frantic to try and pull this explorer back up. And then the rope is sort of just left dangling there with the burnt edge at the bottom of it. Very, uh, very mystery, you know, cliffhangery. We we're not sure what's coming next, uh, but we know something bad happened in the, in the pit. So uh, yeah, very, very cool. I loved that. Uh, We already talked a little bit about Bruce's suits, of course, but uh, also, as you mentioned, the fact that Bruce, has this little bit where he fights these guards out in front of this castle. And then um, I don't know if it was done like as a cover up, like in case somebody had just seen the world famous Bruce Wayne, like kick these guys asses or what it was, but like he definitely hands, (laughs) hands their lunch to them. And then he like does this karate pose afterwards. Did you you notice that? (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's really feeling himself (laughs) in that sequence. He's so in the suitcase as the weapon, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, he's he's real fired up for that. I I yeah, I really enjoyed that that sequence there, just the way the the guards sort of come out of the the shadows, and and then he just kind of turns and swings there. Uh, there's the sequence where they where they're in the shop with the uh, before uh, before Raish and Ubu show up when they first discover the secret passage, and the uh, the shop owner and and the two thugs uh, jump them. You get like a little bit like Talia gets to do the Batman thing where mm-hmm. like the the big guy tries to run tries to run up from behind on her and she she gives him the elbow and and flings him over flings him over her head with like a, a judo move or something. Yeah, there's a, the fights in this episode are are pretty fun for for what we get. Yeah, we get kicks to the face, a couple kicks to the face, actually. Talia mm-hmm. delivers a roundhouse at one point uh, to one of these uh to one of these uh these heavies uh it's uh it, there's there's some good action there as we mentioned the uh the snake bite that's pretty intense uh batman getting mm-hmm. bitten by a by a wild animal um there's some there's yeah, that, some that good whole sequence is great um ubu in like his weird like phantom ninja outfits uh-huh uh-huh with the with like the big like the executioner cowl type type uh look for him and then you know, Batman's kind of in in silhouette for most of that, and you know, of course, then Raish, Raish literally walking out of the shadows to reveal himself. Just, yeah, it's a really fun sequence. And then that's followed up by another silhouette play. It was very interesting. It's Bruce and Alfred in the Batcave as they're studying the uh, the path or the uh, not the pathogen, the uh, the poison that's in in Batman's uh, Batman's bloodstream. And we get this shot of of just the silhouettes of Alfred and Batman in front of the in front of the fully lit bat computer. So we get them, them silhouetted by the, uh, by the screen. I, I thought that was really, really unique. It was a unique mm-hmm. little sequence. Uh, again, I, I love, I love things that you can kind of look at and see and be like, yeah, this would be a comic book panel. Like this, this looks mm-hmm. like it was, it could fit directly. This was a still frame comic book panel. This would work for that perfectly. Um, and the Batman, of course, walks right up to the uh, to the the elevator and st- steps into it, and he's fully silhouetted by the light from the from the uh, from the elevator, also. So, uh, some good silhouette play throughout the episode here. Um, uh, let's see, we get uh, the last thing that I I kind of wanted to note was almost for the entire no, I think the entire final act, we get this weird sepia tone uh for mm-hmm. for the batman highlights and and for most of the uh the characters 
um in the in that the the final scene so it was, it was interesting because it definitely it feels different you know you feel like you're at a different oh, location it doesn't feel like you're in the you know the cold dark streets of gotham it 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 does a lot i feel like to set set the mood for where where your placement of these characters are um so i i liked it i i like the fact that they gave batman these sort of dark deep rich brown highlights rather than the the prototypical blue and uh blue and black that we typically would see yeah that's a great uh, that's a great shout i I put that in my notes but i kind of forgotten to bring it up here but yeah from that that whole uh like uh end of end of second act to the whole third act there where he's uh when they're arriving at the tomb on horseback and and then all, all the way kind of through there in the tomb and then all the way to the end there, when they, when they part ways, uh, yeah, it's, it's everything's uh, the blacks and the blues are all kind of replaced with these, uh, this, this Brown and Brown and kind of tan colors. It's a, yeah, it's a really clever idea to, to make it blend in more and then to make it, uh, just give you that feeling because we've talked about it, like the sepia tone stuff usually just comes in for flashbacks and it actually does at the start of the episode when you're you know when you're mm-hmm. seeing this uh, this you know egyptian tomb being exhumed in the 1800s so the fact that they they use that for the the present day action at the end of the episode i think it works and then also because i think if batman's blue is there that also makes the 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 stark contrast of that green like the glowing green yep. energy that radiates off the queen followed by this you know disgusting green sludge and tendrils like mm-hmm. that's less striking if Batman is blue the whole time in that in that sequence. So it's also a clever way of helping, you know, helping that visual stand out uh, a little bit more, I think. So, yeah, for uh, for all those reasons, I did I did like in a nitpicky way, I did think I thought maybe Raish was a, was a little off model for for what we've seen in the previous couple of episodes. But I just chalked that up to a different animation studio than probably handled the uh the last couple uh, of ones that uh, that we've oh, talked sure. about. So uh, I still ended up with a, a very strong eight out of 10 for my visual score. Yeah, I gave it I gave it the same exact score. I think we would be remiss not to mention, even though maybe you didn't care for it as a plot point, uh, the the visuals for our our uh, undead ghost princess are pretty striking like they're pretty terrifying uh a pretty ugly monster uh one of the i think one of the best sequences in the entire episode uh is is as she's revealed in this green pit that may or may not be a a a lazarus pit uh she's drawing race to her literally with her voice and race sort of mesmerized drops this sword that he's carrying and walks up to her and uh we get we get race uh race begins uh, kissing her and we get uh we get this shot that's a 180 shot he has his hand on her face um and we see and her hands are on his face and it pans around back behind race's head and we just kind of zooms in on his face so you can only see her hand at this point and you see that the hand is turned you know to this skeletal old nasty like undead hand and it's such a quick, quick little pivot thing that happens there. It's just a little 180 pan that happens. Uh, but again, 
chalking things up to the technology that was available at the time, how how that may have been difficult to translate from what was storyboarded to what actually came out on screen. I thought it was done really well. I love the also the sneaky reveal. You don't get the the full skeletal reveal of of her until the mm -hmm. the next scene, but here you know something's up. Like oh yeah, the little yeah that little they do like a three sixty uh, you know as they they like go in for the kiss they do that really cool three sixty transition and then you see the the old withered hand kind of take but then it kind of pans into the next scene so it cuts there yeah I thought that was a really neat uh, a neat trick as well. Yeah, so uh, you know, despite maybe not uh, not loving loving the character as a as a plot point, uh, the the visuals at least are very very striking, very interesting. It's not a dull not a dull moment. I, I mm -hmm. think in this in this entire episode, whether it's uh, whether it's time exploring or uh, or the final battle scene between this uh, undead undead princess and and Batman, it's it's certainly very interesting. So um yeah there's uh there's some there's some good stuff uh in the episode also, i will say also the uh the one shot where ubu threw th uh, back in the original scene where he's uh yet to be unmasked he kind of throws his knife at batman and batman pulls out the uh the old bat throwing star and oh, throws yeah. it and they meet and they like the throwing star knocks the sword out mid out out it. i don't know physics of how that's possible but <laughs> it's freaking cool it was freaking cool it was Agreed. <laughs> All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which of course is going to be music for this week. And uh, who did you say was in charge of music this week? Because I didn't note it. <laughs> we have, uh, yeah, we have two names there. Uh, veteran of these uh, of these DCAU shows, Michael McQuistian, and also a gentleman by the name of Carlos Rodriguez, uh, responsible for our score this week. And uh, yeah, I think the big notes is like, uh, kind of like Demon's Quest before it, uh, this episode very much uh, uh, takes takes cues from where it's set. So you get a lot of like uh, appropriate to the region music. Like you get a lot of like uh, like like uh, like wind, like flute type instruments and, and things like that made. And especially I think that as you mentioned, like the, the highlight, I think this, the single musical highlight, if you had to pick one, is that opening sequence where they're. They're doing the flashback. There's no sound effects. There's no voice. There's no dialogue. It's just the music and what you're watching. And so that that does a great job of, of setting the mood and, and kind of letting you know and when, when the green light starts to form and it, it kind of seems to have this little bit of sense of wonder to it. But then as the, the rope begins to tighten and they try to pull them out and clearly something's wrong, then it kind of cuts back and it becomes very dire. I thought that... Uh, that was a really fun, unique choice. And I wonder which decision kind of came first, if they, if that was scripted to be a, a music and visuals only sequence, or if, or if when they got the score back, they were like, yeah, we don't need anything else else for this, but that's, that's probably the, the, the big highlight of the episode. But yeah, overall, I think the, the, uh, the episode kind of, again, leans into a sort of grander, more, sort of classic again like a 10 commandments like a like a like a lawrence of arabia type mm -hmm. you know classic grand orchestral moments that you get from especially when they're showing off these tunes and these incredible uh, visuals you know that the you know the background artists and everyone have, have created here really really adding to the to the scale of of this and and adding to that uh, feeling of wow we're not this isn't your typical adventure for batman he's he's kind of out of his depth here this is a this is a much 
grander and more epic uh, scale than we're used to. And I think the music kind of rises to that. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think that first scene, especially with the way that the the panic happens where they're sort of struggling and then you get the the rope sort of cliffhanger moment there at the end. I You got to wonder if that was like a, I mean, they borrowed from Hitchcock all the, all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about the Hitchcockian influence, but that seems like a very letting the music sort of build the tension and then drop out at the very end. There seems like something that you could have pulled directly from a Hitchcock. You know, it's like psycho, you know, it's what you don't see. It's what you don't hear. It's, you know, it's the music that's sort of telling the story of, of what you're seeing on the screen and creating uh, the intense, the intensity of the moment. And um, so I, I love also that the music sort of syncs up with the visuals very well. You get this, this one part of that scene where the horse rears back and begins to sort of clearly like, you know, freak out. And instead of what your, your mind would expect to hear the horse begin whinnying or neighing at that point, you instead get these strings that kind of create this, a similar sound uh, that you would expect to hear. So I really, really cool things that they did, especially with that, that opening scene, very impressive. Um, I would say, you know, of course, the 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 reveal of of the uh, of our of our zombie princess is certainly there's some some music that plays that uh, that uh, creates an intensity of that. Also, you have the you have the countdown almost of them racing to save Raish, of course, uh, and and the the crumbling infrastructure of the of the uh, the tomb that they're in as well. And then um, I think the the final scene as we get Talia sort of turning on on Batman once again and uh, Ubu tossing the water bottle to Batman, we get a sort of, a, again, a, an intense to-be-continued cliffhanger. This isn't the mm-hmm. last we'll see of Raish uh, sort of soundtrack that accompanies it. But overall, loved it, loved the music, felt very authentic. You know, I think it's, a, a, you can't ask for much more um than than what you get for this this episode and i th- just think that that opening scene did so much um the music did so much to carry that and set the tone for it and create such a unique atmosphere for that scene specifically i you know i just loved it so i i went with a very strong nine out of ten for music what about you yeah i i went with a nine out of ten so yeah really 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 strong stuff i think from from this and that's again as we talked about kind of a, a hallmark of this uh this trilogy so far of of Raish and, and talia episodes is that the uh the scores uh i think add to that they don't they don't it's not your typical uh batman the animated series episode as great as those those scores always are it's 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 fun to see them get to play in this these different sandboxes and and add music that sort of feels more uh, more thematically appropriate for for our locations and and lets the uh, this, this feels very cliche to say but lets the music kind of be its own character in the episode by uh, by uh, you know changing you know you when you're in that opening sequence with Batman and we're still in Gotham and he's fighting down Ubu it's very much your traditional uh, Beatos music and it's great but once you you know once you're you're heading towards the tomb or even when they're in the, the village outside and they're and they're searching for this this shop where the the secret lair is uh just just changing with your location i think is is very clever and it's a, it works really well to the uh, to the episode's advantage 
Absolutely. All right, Liam, let's wrap it up here with our final category of the day, which of course is going to be our voice actors. Not a huge cast based on the fact that uh, we have really three main main players throughout, but uh, we do have a few other ancillary actors and actresses to talk about. Let's go ahead and chat about the voice cast for this week's episode. That's right. So uh, first thing, this is a uh, as a, a trivia note uh, here that uh, that I saw mentioned. True is, trivia, uh, or is this DCAU wiki trivia? That's the question. This is. I would say this is actually good proper trivia. It is from the DCAU wiki, or at least okay. that was the first place I saw it. But uh, uh, three of the actors in this piece uh, piece all appeared in Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country together. Ah. Uh, uh, Brock Peters, who uh, of course plays Lucius Fox. Uh, David Warner, who is Rachel Ghoul, and uh, Nichelle Nichols, uh, who plays uh, Thoth Kepera in this, uh, all appeared in Star Trek. Uh, Miss Nichols is actually a long time. She goes back to the original Star Trek series. Uh, I think she was there for the for the whole run of the show. I think she's one of the kind of one of the more more first and very high profile, uh, you know, black actresses on a on a major television show uh, of the time. So mm-hmm. something of a of a trail trailblazer in in her own time there for her. So really cool that you you, you snuck in a little uh, a little reunion for some of these actors here. But uh, but yeah, it's it's always fun to get get the get those little notes back in there. But uh, the, yeah, those are our three are are some of our guest stars here. Um, yeah, I, I really like Mr. Warner always as uh, unfortunately he's he's also passed away uh, just last year. Uh, Mr. Warner as Raish is always good. And uh, of course, we have George Desenzo returning as Ubu as well. And uh, and then we have, uh, of course, the great uh, the great Helen Slater uh, returning as Talia. And we, we've we've kind of sung her praises uh, in, I think, both of our previous episodes with her. Uh, and and she is good here, and it, it is mostly even though we do have David Warner as Raish and we have Miss Nichols playing the uh, the Egyptian uh, queen briefly. It is really mostly about uh, Miss Slater, and of course, uh, you know the late the late Kevin Conroy as as Batman, um, and 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 Bruce getting to to play off each other, and again to kind of see them them work together and puzzling things out together and. And uh, and go on this this adventure together. It's uh, that's that's where the fun is. I think is is Miss Slater and and of course uh, Kevin's uh, performance and them getting to bounce off each other a little bit more. Yeah, we get. Uh, it reminds me of Off Balance, where we had you know didn't have the as much race in that. Uh, well, we barely had any race in it because he isn't revealed mm-hmm. to the end. But you had a lot, lot more of uh, of of them interacting with each other. So you you get a little bit more of that, and it lends a little bit more to the credence. You know, I think of of them having a deeper relationship, other than you know, because if you if you look at it in a vacuum, it's like, all right, what? Why does Bruce love this woman? Like, why does he have feelings for this woman? Like, what? Other than their like little adventure that they had in off balance, like what, what leads them to this romance, um, you know, other, or other than the fact that her father tried to force him, force him to marry her. Like what, where's right. the romance in this relationship? So when you see them working together as a, as a team here in this episode, which they also work together in off balance, you start to see, okay, well they have chemistry together. They work together. They care about each other. Um, you know, he's when they think they're going to die or she thinks they're going to die together. Um, she, you know, she shares how much, you know, she'd rather die with him than anybody else. 
The air won't last much longer. It's not the end I would have chosen, beloved. But if we must die, I am glad we're together. We're not licked yet. Cover your ears, Talia, and pray. stop him. You must know that. I do. And though it breaks my heart, I will do what I must as well. Um, so, you know, you have, you have, you have a little bit more depth added to this relationship at least. Um, so it makes a little more sense when, when, when Kevin says stuff, uh, you know, Famously, as you mentioned earlier in the episode, Kevin declared, in his opinion, Talia as Batman's one true love. Uh, so, you know, this mm -hmm. this lends a little credence, I would say, to that when you see that there's there is more of a of a friendship an adventure, uh, a, you know, a companion in, in through adventures uh, together. Uh, that these two share. So, uh, yeah, I I think that they're they play off each other well. Uh, they have they have chemistry that clearly works well together. Um, yeah, it's uh and and they get to shine a lot in this episode, despite there being plenty of race. Uh, they they're really the main focus, as mm -hmm. you mentioned. So I you know they they stand out really well, and um, I thought everybody did a did a pretty solid job, which is why I ended up giving uh the voice actors and actresses an eight out of ten for this week. Yeah, I give it the exact same score. Uh, I think uh, everybody's everybody's pretty good. I think Mr. Mr. Warner in that scene where he's, you know, he's opposite uh, Miss Nichols as the uh, the Egyptian queen. And he's sort of, uh, you know, he's, you know, giving his uh, his his sales pitch to her of why he he deserves this this gift of knowledge and immortality. And now he's lived all for all these centuries and he has you know has this i think he's he always brings that certain uh, gravitas and, and and grandiose nature to uh to uh to whatever he's doing as as race here so having him back there and yeah having him be more like the the bond villain who kind of shows up to taunt and then you know springs the death trap and leaves and then and then once our our heroes do the heavy lifting he he reappears at the end to try to to try to reap the benefits before ultimately kind of being undone by his own uh his own greed and, and lust for power and there's he has he has one line where he's uh i think when he's leaving talia and bruce to die in the death trap he says something like uh, it's often been said that uh that you you are made immortal through through the lives of your children or something and and clearly that's not true when it comes to you or something it's just like a really cold line to say to your daughter that he uh, that he drops on talia and and uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's it's always good when he's around. And yeah, definitely, definitely, I think the stars of the show are uh, are are of course Helen Slater and Kevin Conroy. And we do have a, a brief interaction with uh, with uh, with Ephraim Zebulus Jr. as Alfred as well. But uh, yeah, those are those are definitely the big highlights there. I love the one line that uh, as as David Warner is delivering this exposition about you know his interest in this scroll and why he's after. Uh, you know, trying to find this ancient tomb and Bruce, Bruce, Kevin Conroy's delivery of the line of 
wow, Raish, the world's oldest chauvinist chasing after a woman. <laughs> Perfect. It's delivered Incredible. so well with like just a hint of like cutting sarcasm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, real, real, a sick burn, a sick mm-hmm. burn, great delivery. Um, you know, we get some we get some good brief interactions and some barbs back and forth, verbal sparring between them, both in the original and the uh, the scene scene at the uh, the museum uh, after he throws the snake at him and, uh, you know, after he leaves him in the glass box. And so, yeah, there's 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 some good verbal sparring back and forth between them. So, yeah, uh, some some pretty, pretty big, uh, pretty, pretty big performances this weekend yeah. uh, reflected in our scores. Yeah, the very the very last line of the episode is uh, as Talia has, has freed him and is sort of, you know, saying that you know though she though she loves Bruce that uh, you know he's still her father and as they're walking away, of course he, he gets one last taunt in. He says, "Another time, detective," and uh, and and Batman sort of just quietly says, "Yes, there will be another time." As as he starts to walk away, it's just picture perfect to let you know that these uh, you know. These sort of eternal rivals will uh, will will meet again in the future. There you go. All right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap things up here. So let us get our totals for this week's episode. Uh, we shouldn't be too far off because we had uh, we had matching scores for several of our categories today, but uh, ended up with a pretty strong thirty-two out of forty. Myself, what about you? Yeah, and I'm just uh, a couple points lower at a 29 out of 40. So um, we can we can chat about rewatchability real quick. Like my first instinct was no, but I guess it does establish that Race is alive. After, mm-hmm. I mean, you see the hand come out of the mm-hmm. the Lazarus pit at the end of one, but it it is the next chapter in in that relationship. And other than uh our our future superman episode is there only is it only the jonah hex episode that we have left for race in the series i believe so yeah we have the jonah so, hex episode we have the race so, and then we have the the batman beyond episode of course oh of course of course so yeah this is like our last proper confrontation i feel like between uh between batman and race in this series and and one of the one of and I, talia's i don't believe is in the jonah hex episode so this is, I believe, the last appearance of Talia in the series. So, um, yeah, I get, I feel like this gets maybe one thumb up. Like I did, like I said, I didn't, I didn't love this from a story perspective, just because of the way the, the way it kind of all shook out at the end. But I think, uh, you know, it's still returning characters, and as you said, it, it does deepen the uh, the relationship of Bruce and Talia certainly. So, hey, when you get to that, uh, you know, to that Superman episode, the Batman Beyond episode, and and Bruce is kind of reflecting on his uh especially in that that batman beyond episode you know bruce reflecting on his past loves and talia in particular is a big part of that episode so having this having seen this episode and you know that i think maybe makes that episode mean a little bit more when you get to it so yeah i think this one if not for the importance to its own series i think it gets it maybe gets a thumb up for being an important linchpin to the to the larger dcau and how it uh it affects the uh, the other series, the future series. Yeah, I yeah, I'm going back and forth on this. So whether I'd say, I I think if you if you miss it, you don't miss a whole lot. Like if you, this part is taken out, if you didn't have this one in your collection, is there anything that you miss from it? Uh, other than the deepening of the relationship 
between Talia and Bruce, I'd say no, because yeah, Raish comes back, but we already knew, as you said, that the cliffhanger at the end of, of uh, the demon's quest shows us that he's still alive. So yeah, I'd give it a thumb up. I'd say, I think, I think it's, there's enough in the episode if you're watching, or if you want to watch the, the race trilogy like if you want to make this the trilogy i know there's another one another episode two episodes where he's featured but this kind of feels like the the culmination of you know uh, all of kevin altieri's work together you know to to put this trilogy Mm -hmm. together as as he was involved in off balance and then uh the demon's quest as well so um you know if you want to watch the the altieri cut or the altieri trilogy of 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 racial ghoul episodes then yeah I'd, I'd say go for two thumbs up but if you're just you know if you're casually watching it i wouldn't say that this is a must watch if you're just showing the best of the best episodes but there is some some important stuff that happens here so yeah one thumb up all right yeah i think that's fair well, that will begin to wrap us up for this week. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, don't forget, it, we would love your support for the podcast. You have several ways that you can do that. Uh, a couple of the free ways to do so, uh, easiest ways to do so even, are to uh, follow us on social media at DCAU Review, both on Twitter and Instagram. You can interact with us there as well. Shoot us a DM or tweet at us if you want to join in, in our conversations. We have lots of fun. Uh, Twitter, you know, it's, uh, it's it can be can be really, really terrible place uh, a lot of the time. But, uh, you know, one of the favorite things that we get to do uh, in as far as the podcast is concerned is uh, is talking with other DCAU creators and, um, you know, people that are still fans of this and people that offer their thoughts on things uh, favorite parts of episodes mm-hmm. and such. So uh, Liam does a great job of running the account. So head over to uh, to Twitter, tweet at us at DCAU Review, or head over to our Instagram. We post our uh, clips from our episode, upcoming episodes and lots of other DCAU stuff there as well. Uh, don't forget, we also would love for you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any of the other ancillary podcast app platforms uh, give us a subscribe and if it allows you to to leave a review we would very much appreciate that five stars helps us out a lot and if it allows you to leave a little blurb you can do so there if you do listen to us on spotify you can interact with us via our weekly poll that's exclusive to spotify or our uh, weekly also include a weekly questionnaire so you can uh, answer the question of the week also so interact with us that way if you're looking to support us financially there's a couple ways you can do that as well there is a link first and foremost at the bottom of our uh, anchor page it's also in the notes uh, you can buy us a coffee if you wish it's uh, our anchor.fm slash dcau review can support us that way uh, you can also head over to dcaureview.com and click on the store tab or check out the show notes uh, there's a link there to check out our store you can pick up a piece of merchandise uh, and uh, of course, we also would love for you to subscribe to us on youtube.com slash the pod tower, like our videos there and subscribe there as well. Not only will you get great content from us, but some great content from other DCAU creators as well. Liam, we are sticking here with our Batman the Animated Series reviews for the rest of the month. And that means we are continuing with our next in line here, at least as far as production order, with another episode next week. That's right. And of course, it is it is the season of love uh, and greeting cards. 
And uh, and so with it being Valentine's weekend next week, uh, uh, we thought, uh, how about an appropriate one? Next one in production order just happens to be, I love a little bit of uh, accidental uh, uh, synergy on this, uh, happens to be the episode House in Garden, a, a Poison Ivy themed episode that uh, takes a very dark twist as it, uh, as it goes along, but... Uh, We'll uh, we'll have to get into that one and all the the strange uh, strange happenings going on in the Isley household when we uh, we join you for House and Garden next week. Absolutely, gonna be a fun one. Can't wait. But until then, I'm Cal and I'm Liam, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye bye.